Hello, hello, and welcome to The Mental Matchup, a podcast where we hope to shed light on one of the hardest competitions an athlete will face, the matchup against their own mind. I'm Kat, and today I'm going solo for an episode with an incredible guest, Lizzie Colson. If you are familiar with the women's lacrosse world at all, you'll recognize her name, Tawarton, finalist, IWCLA, Defender of the Year, All-American, two-time national champion, Big Ten champion. Just, I mean, if it's there to win, she's either gotten, she's either won it or she's been in the running, um, super successful on and off the field incredible human being. I'm so excited for you to hear our conversation and really just dive into what it was like playing at a school like Maryland, getting injured at a school like Maryland, and everything in between. And with that, let's dive in. Um, hi, thank you for joining me on the Mental Matchup today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to do it. I'm so excited. Um, I guess let's start off just with telling us a little bit like where you grew up, how you grew up, kind of where sports were in your life, just anything along those lines. Yeah, so I'm from Carroll County, which is northern Maryland. It's about 40 minutes outside Baltimore. Um, pretty small town, but sports have always been a really big part of my life. I played soccer, lacrosse, and I ran track growing up. So um, very diversified in my sports. And I tried a little bit of everything. When I was really young, I did gymnastics. Um, just, you know, my parents were open to letting me try whatever I wanted to. But um, I think in middle school, I really realized that I loved lacrosse and that was what I wanted to do. Um, but I was super serious about soccer too. I really liked that up until I kind of started playing club lacrosse and took over a little bit more time. So I could only really focus on one. So um, I focused on lacrosse. And then from, I would say eighth grade on, um, the rest was history. That's when I started playing club and I played for Skywalkers out of Baltimore. Awesome. Do you think that um, playing, like growing up, playing so many different sports, like helped impact kind of your lacrosse IQ once you like got to high school and stuff yeah definitely like take there I think it's great I think all kids should play as many sports as they can for as long as they can um it's honestly kind of sad now I feel like a lot of girls like just like go right into lacrosse and then tunnel vision lacrosse and that's all they have I work with a lot of young girls for lessons and stuff and you know, you don't hear them playing other, any other sports. It's like, oh, I have a tournament, then I have practice, then I have training. And it's honestly like a little bit sad because I just, I learned so much and I made so many great friendships through other sports. And I think just um, giving your other muscles, like giving certain muscles a break. So when you are running track, you know, it's different than soccer muscles. And I think just like giving your body, you know, a break and kind of in like a little schedule of, okay, now it's soccer season. Now it's swimming, whatever it is, um, I think is really important. And uh, I just learned so much about, being an athlete and what it takes to win, lose, you know, some sports teams, how our team was better. Other sports teams we maybe lost some more. So I just learned so much through different teams that I think it was really important that if I would have just played the cross, I maybe would have missed out on a lot of really good lessons. You're preaching to the choir. I coach fifth graders <laughs> and like seventh graders for a club team near me. And they are all, I'm like, okay, so a zone defense, like for those of you who play basketball, like, what do you know about a zone? Yeah. Everyone's like, we don't play basketball. And I'm like, what are you like, talking about? Every <laughs> growing up, it's like soccer, basketball. That's like the yes. two sports that I feel like are the easiest to just like pick up a ball and go. Yes. And the concepts are so 
much easier to teach when you have even like defensive positioning. It's like, oh, it's this or I'll like compare like dodging to running routes in football, like yes, a wide yes. receiver, or, like a running back. And everyone's like, we don't watch football. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this what is do you like, do? so hard to, <laughs> I know, I'm like, like, this is so hard to describe. Yes. Even like when you um, are just talking lacrosse with like people who don't play, they're like, well, lacrosse is so much like uh, basketball. If you watch it, there's so much in it that like resembles basketball, blah, blah, blah. And so it's important to get those like skills outside of lacrosse because it, lacrosse is like a combination of like five different sports thrown into one. So like to get that exposure in different areas is really important. And I never played basketball. I played for like one year and I just like couldn't run and dribble the ball at the same time. So I just decided I would just run. Um, but it was like, it's still a good um, good thing to know and a good thing to have. So I, I definitely think most people, people should play as many sports as they can. I agree. And taking a break off your body. And more importantly, I didn't even think about the aspect of like one sport. I think there's a few dimensions to it, but like one sport, the team that you're on could be amazing. And like, you never lose and you don't even know what losing is like. And then another team could be like, like we're in for a tough one today. And like for the rest of the season. And then the other aspect of it is like, chances are, I mean, there's always like one or two kids who are really good at everything they do and just like natural athletes, but like, you might not be top of the depth chart. So that also like instilling, like you need to work hard and like get Mm -hmm. better and put in that outside work, I think is so important from when kids are young. Cause I think a lot, a lot of girls I work with, like they've been like at the top for as long as they can remember. And then they get to high school or they get to the next level and they're like, wait a second, like everyone's Mm -hmm. from being the top and they don't know how to how to comprehend and like deal with it and like do like the little things that they can control. They're kind of just like, all over yeah, that and which is I know yeah. lacrosse like specifically um nowadays they don't even really have club it's or they don't even really have rec it's mostly just you go right into club which is pretty serious and like if you want to get recruited that's what you do you play club but it's tough to see these girls who are just kind of like just experimenting with lacrosse or just getting into it and then kind of feel like they can't do it because they're not the best on the team and they're not you know super serious about it like these other girls are and it's just kind of sad to see that like rec aspect and like the fun aspect diminish when it's like all recruiting all the time. So that's where I think like playing multiple sports and maybe like I was saying, I focused a lot on lacrosse, but I also played soccer and I enjoyed it. And so that was like a fun sport for me while lacrosse, it was fun, but I took it a little bit more seriously. Um, It's important to play multiple because maybe one's more fun and one's a little bit more competitive. Um, Just having that balance between both is so important. I think. I could not agree more. Um, I mean, this weekend at a tournament, the the parents take it very seriously and there's almost like a brawl on the sidelines i mean i am like these girls are 10 years old like they're literally right. like they got, got time when i was in high like, school i used to rough um like i think it was maybe third grade lacrosse like they could not even scoop and the parents actually like we're at the olympics i'm like it is saturday morning cross like your girls are tikers like we we're learning how to catch it. It was just crazy. And I, I ref for one summer and I was like, you power to the rest because that's not for me. Like the parents, it's just like, you just, I feel like I've lost a lot of that like fun aspect to it. Like, I don't even remember playing lacrosse when I was young. Like I think I played rec for a few years and like, that was that. And granted, like a lot, it, the sport is growing. So it, it does have to be a little bit more competitive, but um, I mean, it still has to be fun and what you're doing, you still have to love it. So I think that that's like super important. Yeah, and the burnout is so real. Like, yes, it's just, like, it gets to be too much. And the injuries, the your parents like being on you, like you didn't score enough goals, or like you need to do yeah. this better. And it's just like yeah. let the coaches coach, let the parents like just be the supporting. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you did great, honey. Like, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Every yeah. So then you. 
Yeah. I know you're every single time after club games, my mom would be like, every time I loved it. And she'd be like, Do you still like what you're doing? Are you still having fun? Do you still want to do this? And I would be like, Mom, like, I'm good. She'd be like, Would you tell me if you don't want to do this? And like, I feel like that's something like I needed. Like, if she had, she had been like on my back pushing me, like, get better, go do this, get on the wall. I think I would have like, you know, maybe rebelled against a little, I would have probably not liked it as much. But then like the fact that every time she was like, is this fun for you? Like she was just so genuine and like asking, are you having fun? And it just like released some of that pressure. And I just played because like, it was just fun. That's exactly my mom. My mom, like literally loved the woman. She cheers for the wrong team. Like Me we'll too. be watching, <laughs> like we'll be watching, like, for example, we were watching like the men's game, like the Duke men's game whenever it was in season and the other team scored i don't even know who they were playing the other team scored she's like yeah like great job like what's yeah. that guy's name i'm like mom that's the other team like we are she's wearing like, it's white like, we're playing play. in Poskinen. <laughs> yeah she was like but that was yes. so good i'm like i'm like mom like do you even know she's no team. idea the rules <laughs> no i'm like either. i feel like I need to like forget the rules of sports so i can just like be just like chill when i'm My older with like- kids my mom's like, whose colors are cuter? Like, who am I rooting for? Because, like, their colors are cuter. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I kind of like That's it, how I'm my like... mom picks her final four bracket for basketball for March Madness. <laughs> She's too. like, I like their mascot better. <laughs> Amazing. So so you turned your focus to lacrosse in, like, eighth grade, you said? Yeah. Okay, so then, it. yeah, I guess walk me through, like, high school, club, um, when you knew that you wanted to – you know, have like a collegiate career, think about like recruiting and what that was like. Um, yeah, I'm excited um, to hear. Yeah. So recruiting looked a lot different then than it does now. I don't even know the rules now, but I know they went through a crazy phase where people were committing when they were like in seventh grade. And I remember some Eighth girls graders. would come visit. Yes. Some girls would come visit. Allegedly, on- allegedly, Florida, allegedly, I'll say allegedly, yeah. but yeah no it was crazy girls would come visit like maryland and i you know i'd like come over and talk to them while they're visiting i'd be like where are you going to high school next year and they'd be like i don't know like i'm deciding between a few and you'd be like well you're visiting a college right now so that was crazy that whole like i'm glad the ncaa got a hold on that because that was wild so now i don't even really know the rules of it um but when i was being recruited they could i was talking to schools when i was a freshman so I think eighth grade, you couldn't, and you couldn't technically talk to schools, but I know they could go through your coaches. So they would go through my coaches and my coaches would be like, these people are interested in you. You should reach out. And so a few schools were interested. Um, I reached out to a couple and then actually, this is really funny. Um, my coach told me that Kathy was interested in me. And so her email on, on her website is C Reese, Kathy Reese, obviously everyone who knows lacrosse knows that, but I was so like, I just played again. Like I just had fun. I didn't like no lacrosse and so I emailed her and I said hi coach crease like I'm very interested in Maryland like anyone who knows lacrosse and like what people dream and I was just like hi coach crease like so ignorant and I sent that email and then my coach talked to me because obviously Kathy and her talked and she was like so her name's Kathy Reese and I was like did I just like ruin my chances of going to Maryland <laughs> yeah so, so I funny. yeah completely dropped the ball when I was being recruited but um that was probably summer of after freshman year um when I started reaching out to like those kind of coaches and I visited Maryland fall of sophomore year and then I was committed by the end of the fall my sophomore year which is still insane like I say that it's insane for the freshman but that's still I'm very young and it worked out and it lucked out in my case that like they had what I wanted to do and I had a great lacrosse experience and the school part of it was fun I had great friends so it really worked out but thinking back like I got really really lucky because it's super young but 
the recruiting process is so fun. Like there's no other time in your life where like you're 13, 14, 15 years old and like everybody, all eyes are on you. Everybody wants you. And like, people are, like yeah, every, and you're like, all right, I like this. Yeah. So it's so much fun and it's just like, it's exciting and um, it's a, it's stressful. I mean, it's such a process, like as anyone who's been through it knows, but it's like the most fun time of your life. Um, and for anyone who's being uh, recruited right now, I would just say completely enjoy it and don't rule anyone out and don't base your decision off of like scholarships or money or who's putting what and where, because you're offered a place on the team. And I know in one of my podcasts that I do, I talked to Alex also about this a little bit and she was just saying like, you're offered a place on a team, no matter what the money looks like, like that is an honor and you can't rule anyone off. You're not better than anyone. Um, so just keeping your options open and just having genuine, honest conversations and then talking to people who have been through the program before, I think it's really important. Um, I think that like Maryland specifically, obviously I don't know other programs, but like the culture behind Maryland is just incredible. And everyone I talked to who had been through the program or was going there, like, they just had nothing but good things to say about it. So I think that talking to alumni and talking to people that know the program when you're being recruited is really important. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, could not agree more. I think more so it's like, like onto your point, it's about like the fit like of that culture and what the program's values are and how they align with your own values because right. you're spending so much time around the same people doing like, you know, practice however many hours a day, like it's a full-time job, if not more so. And I think like at some point it, it's kind of like the money isn't, um, really that much of a factor when you're in it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like you're like, I'm paid to be here. Like you're like, no, I want to win or I want to compete. And I feel like I tell girls that are getting recruited, like you really need to think about like what you value and if the people you're going to be on the field with every single day have those same values because if there's Mm -hmm. misalignment between like you and the coaches and the program then like chances are you're not going to be happy and it's not going to work out even though it's unfortunate and it's not necessarily your fault just people are built differently right like Mm -hmm. some people like want to just like grind and grind and grind and you know are okay with never playing, but being part of something so big, like a national championship Mm -hmm. team. Meanwhile, other people are like, I want to play all four years. I don't really care if we win any championships. I just know I want to play. Um, We were actually just talking about this at Tawarting because there was a couple of us that just like, were kind of overlooked and I was okay with it. Like I wasn't, I was happy with my recruiting journey, but um, I wasn't like a top 20, top 10 recruit by the time I was being recruited. But then by the time I finished high school, it was a top two recruit. So it was just kind of weird how that worked out. As I was being recruited, I probably was overlooked. And then by the time I finished, I was like, I don't know, number two recruit. So I always just, feel like it weird. goes like, yeah, it goes like both ways. It's like, don't ever count anyone out school wise because you never know. Like, who would have thought Boston College would be where they are at now? Mm-hmm. Like, I know, like, when I was a freshman and we were playing them, like, they were building something special, right? Like, that mm-hmm. was their whole goal was like, it's not us, it's like the future team is what it kind of felt like. And like, you know, here they are now in 2021. Know, you know, it just changes and things shift. And I remember that's another reason why you like want to stay involved in other sports and like want to play for different teams. Because, you know, in eighth grade, if I had committed in eighth grade, like some people do, like who knows where I would have ended up. And then like there were girls in eighth grade who were amazing on my team. But then by sophomore year, you know, they weren't as good. The growth period in high school is insane. And like everyone needs to go through it and you need to experience it fully. And that's why taking that complete time to recruit and taking that complete time to go through the recruiting process is so important because 
if you commit to the first school that looks at you just because you like the colors like we were just talking about or just because you like the mascot then like maybe you won't be happy or maybe you won't see your full growth period play out so i would suggest like letting your full growth period. i took like a lot of time i took a full like year and a half to like commit to whatever and that partially that was my mom like i'm not gonna lie like when you're a sophomore in high school like all you want to do is commit to a top program all you want to do is play you know for a national championship that's all i wanted to do but i think that like it's important to um really take it all in take your full growth years um the coaches if they want you they're not going to go anywhere if they want you bad enough they'll wait it out and if they value you enough as a player they're going to wait for you to make a decision on your own time and i think that that's super important just taking those growth years um because yeah like i'm saying like the recruiting process is crazy and there's some people that get overlooked there's some people that get underlooked like it's all the whole spectrum's there so just knowing what's best for you it's just nuts i mean it's just it's, it's a wild process mm-hmm. it's like so wild i think now it's like uh september 1st of your junior year is like when you're allowed to start talking with coaches um yeah which is how it's that was like kind of how it was when i was in high school in the in the recruiting process but then like the girls in the grade below me um that I played with, like they were, they committed their freshman going into their sophomore year. So it was yeah. like so crazy that the difference between like a few months, like it was insane to me. It's so, um, insane. so insane. So then tell me, tell me about just talking through, I guess, from starting with you came off your national championship, went to us and then just kind of, I hate to have you relive it again, but oh, it's okay. that part <laughs> of it. And then we'll dive into like um, mindset and all that good stuff. If that sounds okay. Yeah. So yeah, it was 2019. We had just won a national championship. um, And probably three weeks after that, I was training with us. um, And so kind of like the pinnacle of, you know, every girl's lacrosse career, like it doesn't really get much better than that. Um, So I was living the dream feeling really, really good. And then it was the last day of the last training session. Um, and I went up for a draw control. And when I came down, the ball kind of bobbled on the turf and I turned to go get it and no one touched me. It was just like a textbook ACL tear. Um, my knee just kind of like had had enough and it collapsed. And I knew right then that I had tore my ACL. And so I just had like a flood of emotions. I was cursing on the field. I was crying. I was screaming. I knew, you know, immediately that I just went from the ultimate high of lacrosse to like, where do I go from here? Um, and I just felt it all happen and it felt like it happened in slow motion. Like I remember going down and looking at the sideline and just seeing like the U S girls and then being like, what is going to happen now? Um, and it's like a really weird thing to explain because like it, it doesn't feel like a trauma. Um, but it felt like it happened in slow motion, like any trauma would, if that makes sense. Um, and so I was just went down and then I went to see the doctor immediately following. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to recover. Like I'm, I'm not a freshman at this point. I was going to be a senior. Um, I was kind of seeing the end of my career anyway. So right um, away, right away, you were like, this is it. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, there's, how could I come back from this? I'm not young. And for like those people who know lacrosse, like there's not much after college. Um, You know, there's US if you want to do it. There's now there's like some pro leagues, but they're just starting out. So I was just kind of like, what is there for me after senior year? So it was just easy to get like in that, like, I'm never going to get back to where I was. I was just playing for a national championship. I was just playing for US. I'm old, like the combination of the three, I was just like, I'll just, you know, be done. And it took probably three days of me saying that I met with my coaches, met with my academic advisor. Um, and they were like, you're not done. Like, let's be honest, like you're not finished. And, um, but that summer following was 
summer and the fall was like one of the hardest things I've had, gone through. Had you guys had any girls who had like torn their ACLs before on the team? We did, but just a couple. We honestly, you know, you hear about some schools and they have like a ton at one time. And I feel like we were really fortunate since all through like my four years, we had maybe a handful. I feel like, sorry to interrupt. I feel like it has to do with your AstroTurf. Like, I feel like it has to do with the footing, right? Because you guys are wearing like turfs or there's nothing that's like digging in. I practice field hockey up there and like, it's like you can't even wear cleats, right? No, no. And if you slip, like you don't get stuck. You just slip. And maybe you do like a split. Yeah. A lot of girls have like shin. <laughs> and the rug burns. Like, yeah. Right. You get rug burn. <laughs> you get shin splints. We have like back issues more than like ACL tears on our team. And so I was kind of like, oh gosh, like where do I go? Like what do yeah. I do? And it's sad because two of my sisters, so there's five kids in my family and two out of the five of them before me had torn their ACL. It's genetic. It's it like has to do is. with your your quad. I mean, I'm not I'm not torn my ACL, but three hip surgeries in the training room, you pick up on a few on a oh few things. Gosh. But they basically it has to do with like your quad strength, right? So like I believe when it. when you get cleared, like I know at Duke you had to have like eighty percent. I could be quoting this wrong quad strength before you could even get cleared to like hold everything up in your knee like that was like the wow but it but it can be genetic like I had a friend who tore hers three times and it was all like and her twin sister would do bands all the time because she was like it is gonna be me next kind of mentality um right but that's crazy. yeah I mean, definitely to some extent it definitely is genetic I mean there's just my family's living proof of that um but yeah so my sisters had gone through it before me and so they kind of prepared me the best they could um about like the physical battle that was ahead of me kind of the mental battle I know my sister struggled a lot with and she wouldn't mind me sharing this like her eating habits um so she shared that with me and so I was prepared as prepared as you can be but nothing prepares you for it if that makes sense um and so that summer and fall was really really tough for me so yeah so you so you tear your ACL, you're meeting with your coaches with, I'm sure, like the best doctors you can, like to get the MRIs, right. kind of figure out like probably what's torn. Cause I know like when you tear your ACL, you usually tear your meniscus and like, mm-hmm. a, there's like a few things you can also that lovingly go together. The like, there's like yes. three of them, right? And your the knee, trifecta. the trifecta. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yep. you tore them all. Is that like textbook? So I, yeah, I tore my ACL, I tore my meniscus and then I sprained my MCL. Um, so I, I almost did the trifecta. Almost, kept so close. Light. Yeah, yeah um, light. <laughs> um, so funny. Uh, so then, so you're meeting with doctors. What yeah. kind of prompted, I guess, your mindset switch from like, wow, this is like my career, like that, like senior year is kind of done to mm-hmm. no like rehab, whatever. And then your kind of outlook on like, what was your timeline to get back on the field? Cause I know it was COVID year, your senior year. So were you even planning to be back or were you really going to take like a full year plus to kind of, I went back back and forth. Yeah. I went back and forth on that. And that was like one of the harder parts too, is because it happened in early June or middle of June, like the 13th or something. Um, is it the only reason I know is because it's the day after my um, brother's birthday. So that's what I remembered. But anyway, so it was like middle of June. And so that was like the tough part is because I could have rushed my recovery back and not redshirted, or I could have taken my full year and redshirted. And thank God I redshirted because like COVID hit. But also, like not all summer, for a few weeks, like I had until the beginning of the school year to really decide what I was going to do. So, but when we found out I tore my meniscus and I'd be on crutches for six weeks 
or eight weeks, I'm sorry, uh-huh. eight weeks on crutches, like they were like, there's just no point to rush it. Like, let's just take our full recovery time. And so I didn't even get surgery. They had to wait for the meniscus to heal until like July 3rd. It was July 3rd. And so my 4th of July, I was just chilling on the couch. My mom, we were actually watching. We had like a movie marathon. It was so sweet. Um, so we did that. And then, so by July 3rd, I was like starting recovery, but I eight weeks on crutches. So anyone, again, who's torn their meniscus, any CL knows that like recovery doesn't really start until after the eight weeks. So it was probably August-ish by the time I was like really full steam in recovery. And they were like, let's just take our full time. And oh my gosh, summer was really mentally hard for me because it's like, you're out with your friends, you want to go to the beach, but also you're on crutches, you're in a cast, you're wrapped up. You see all your friends like going in the water. You can't do that. They go out at night. You can't go out. You maybe go out for an hour, but it's miserable. So you're and just you're tired and you're like, crutches. You're people are bumping into you. Oh people gosh, are like, they exhausted. Don't- yeah, it's like yeah. your body can't even – you're like, I don't even want to be here. Like, you're grumpy, exactly. then you're just mean. It's like this whole cycle of so like – Yeah, and then people are like, yeah, they're bumping into you, and it's just not worth it. You don't want to be like a bother. Like, everyone has to wait on you to crutch. My friend, she was like insisting that I go out with them one night, so she put me in a stroller, and like that was the thing all fall. We just like – she pushed me in a stroller, but even then, like, okay, you get there, and then you sit, and you can't like go and walk around like they're doing, go visit people. Like, you just have to sit. And so it just wasn't really fun. And so I had a really hard time and I, I put a lot of my identity going into senior year in sport. And I didn't even realize, like we talked about earlier, like when you play sports your entire life and that's all, you know, you don't even have a second to sit back and be like, okay, what am I without sport? What are my interests or what are my interests? Like, what do I value? Who am I without a lacrosse stick or soccer ball or tennis shoes? And I never took time to think about that. And then it took until my ACL tear going into senior year for me to, I was forced to just kind of be still for a second. And I had a hard time with it. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I am. I have to figure this out and I have to do it now because I'm a senior in college. Um, But yeah, we can get into like looking back on that now. Like I'm glad that I had that realization because it would have been hitting me now instead of then. And I'm just, I was prepped for it. And I think a lot of people go through that when they leave college, they kind of have this little identity crisis when they're a lot of their life, rightfully so, is wrapped up in sport. Um, and they have an identity crisis and they don't really know where to go from there. So I was kind of blessed in the sense of it just happened to me a year earlier. Um, and now I was able to help people with that all year last year. But then I got to school in the fall and I thought it'd be easier because I thought, you know, I'd be around friends. And I'd kind of get back into a routine. No, I had to get to and from classes. I had to go to practice where I was watching my friends play and have fun. I missed out on a lot of like memories they were making on the field. And it, this is something you don't really think about when you're not injured, but when you're sitting in the training room every single day, like you miss out, you can see the field, you can see they're having fun. Then they come off the field and they're joking about what happened on the field and you miss what happened on the field. So you just feel like disconnected completely. And so I struggled a lot with that too. So that's when my coaches kind of saw like, I was just hurting and I was just, you know, as a captain, I was trying to be peppy, trying to be there for my teammates. I was trying to be a leader and I'm pretty optimistic. I'm pretty peppy and um, excited about life just in general. And I was just losing a lot of myself. Um, And I think, you know, as much as I tried to put on a brave face as much as I could, my coaches kind of saw right through it. And they're like, I think you should meet with a sports psychologist. And at this point, like no one, you didn't talk about that. Like I had never seen a sports psychologist. I was okay. I'm you know, I, I'm not hurting. And it's like easy to talk about your physical barriers when you have an ACL tear. You're like, oh, okay, like I'm hurting, my leg hurts. But honestly, I had a really hard time talking about the mental barriers. I didn't want people to see me as like weak. Um, but I ended up seeing the sports psychologist kind of reluctantly. And that was probably September, maybe like end of September, beginning of October of 
senior year of fall. And that's when everything like started to change. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with Lizzie in a second. We'd like to take a moment to talk about Morgan's message without whom this podcast would not be possible. Morgan's message is a nonprofit founded in 2020 to honor Morgan Rogers. Through amplifying stories, resources, and expertise to confront student-athlete mental health, Morgan's Message is building a community by and for athletes and providing a platform for advocacy. Morgan's Message strives to eliminate the stigma surrounding mental health within the student-athlete community and equalize the treatment of physical and mental health in athletics. To help us take a shot at mental health, to support our mission, or to find out more, head to morgansmessage.org or follow along on Instagram at Morgan's message. And with that, let's get back to our conversation with Lizzie. It's so interesting because I think injuries, it's like life altering. It's not like it is life altering in the sense that something that you've known basically your whole life gets ripped away from you and you're going through this like anger grieving like emotional process of like who am I what's even going on Mm -hmm. like this is a like you you're like mourning the death of a part of you essentially a part of your identity and Mm -hmm. I think that honestly I I know you said you're grateful for like I'm really grateful I had that because same with you like in high school it was like academics and athletics like I didn't really know like what I wanted to do like at work I mean I went to Duke and didn't even know that this is so bad that they like didn't have business in undergrad I was like like I went to like a liberal arts school like and I got there and I was like wait they don't have business my dad's like what are you doing like come on um like like you should probably figure out yeah because I'm from DC like people either work in like government or government consulting so like even the big banks like I didn't know any of these things so like having an injury it was like a time where I was like life's too short to do something that you're not passionate about and that's like when I pivoted into thinking about like working in the retail sector versus like going into consulting or marketing just because I knew I could um Mm -hmm. so I feel like it's very similar in in what you just said and I wish there was a way for I guess like younger like high schoolers or even like college kids like freshman sophomore year to kind of like think more about like okay like you know what am I really passionate outside of lacrosse or like my yeah. sport or how can I bring my sport to what I do next? Um, yeah. Because and it, I think it's also just, just taking a second and like sitting back and relaxing and knowing that, you know, you can put value into your sport and you can find a little bit of like pleasure and a little bit of excitement and okay, I had a really good game today, but when you have bad games and when you can't play, when you're on the sideline completely or your coach just isn't playing you for whatever, maybe you're hurt, maybe you're just not being played, like whatever that value is, you just can't put all of your worth and all of your identity into sport because one day like it will end. I don't like, it doesn't really matter what level you are. Like it has to end at one day. And so you just need to find what you're passionate about outside of sport. So just taking like a second and just being still. And I think that, you know, had I have heard that in, junior senior any year before I did I would have been like okay like I'll figure it out later like I have passions outside of sport but it's so important to just like well what are they and how can I channel energy into those things just as well as sport um because again like it's gonna end and like you said like life is too short to do things you're not passionate about and so that's kind of how I figured out I wanted to be a sports psychologist not kind of that is how I figured it out and I just kind of was like I'll go into coaching like I I love lacrosse um 
I, I could see myself as an assistant coach. It's something I'm good at. And then I tore my ACL and I found something I was so incredibly passionate about. So just finding like a silver lining in injury or in not playing or in taking a break from sport, even if you're just like, I'm just going to take a season off, finding the silver lining and finding things you're passionate about is, is important. I also, I also want to say like, I, I mean, I feel like if you're, if you're an athlete in general, there's something competitive about you and you like want to win and you want to compete. I even find myself now in like, quote unquote corporate world like if I don't hit like I'll set like KPI goals like I'm like I want to drive this much about if I don't hit them I like will have moments where I get down and I'm like oh like I'm sucking at this job like why mm-hmm. isn't this working out and then I'm like wait a second why am I like letting one thing like a goal that yeah. I like an expectation I set like this isn't someone else didn't set it like it's not something I actually mm-hmm. have to hit but like why am I letting that drive so much of my value and my emotions mm-hmm. like it's kind of yeah, insane yeah, that's just how athletes are built. We're just so hard on ourselves. But it's it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. I mean, a lot of college athletes, high school athletes, call that you wouldn't be where you are without it. You need that drive, but it's just when the drive uh I don't even know, when the drive takes over your life and when you don't see value, you know, you don't hit those goals and then you don't see value and you're too hard on yourself and you're a stickler, you're per- a perfectionist, that's when it just gets to be draining and it's strenuous and it's not fun when it loses its fun and its value and just like enjoyment. Um, I think that's when it just kind of like hits a wall. Like you're saying like, yeah, set goals. It's great to set goals. I'm a big goal setter. I have goal charts and everything. I'm a big goal setter, but it's like, you can't put all your worth and your value into those goals. Cause sometimes you fall short and sometimes you need to reevaluate your goals and you need to rewrite them a little bit. And that's like totally okay. Agreed. Um, it's to- uh, so aligned there. Um, I saw a quote one time. It was like, be stubborn in your goals, but flexible in how you achieve them. And that's something that I was like my senior year of high school. And I just like love that, that um, quote, because it's so true. Like people, you get hurt, you know, you change plans, people transfer. There's so many different ways to like get to your goals, but coaches leave, like things happen. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, Things happen and you just have to be flexible in like how you get to your goals. So true. Um, Okay. So you go see your sports psychiatrist, psychologist, or psychologist, Mm -hmm. psychologist. Um, Mm -hmm. And then your, your mentality shifts. What was, Mm -hmm. I guess you don't have to dive into like, obviously, you know, what you discussed and how you're feeling necessarily, but like, what, what was the shift and how did you get out of like, I used to call it like my Eeyore funk. Like I felt like there was a dark (laughs) cloud following me everywhere I went. And I just was like, so bummed about everything, tried to put on this face, but like just would go back to my room at night and like cry because I'm like, what am I, what am I doing here? Like, what is going on right right now? This isn't me. And then being so frustrated about not acting like yourself, but not being able to change. So I guess walk me through kind of like what that like shift was. Yeah. I mean, it was exactly that for three months, maybe I was just brave face, but then crying to myself or lashing out on my mom or screaming at myself, whatever it looked like being snippy to my friends, like good until I wasn't. And that's when I realized I was like, okay, something's got to change. And in that space with Dr. Garvin, I was just in a, you know, a small room, just me and her. And I was just able to be myself, be vulnerable and break down completely on that couch with no judgment, no questions asked. Here's how I'm feeling. How can we get past this? What are we going to do? And we had real conversations. And I think that's the part that I really loved about it because when I was outside on the field or when people asked me how my recovery was going, I'd say, Oh, it's going well. It's going good. I'm on the field. I'm cheering for other people, but like, I need someone to cheer for me. Like I'm, I'm doing a lot too. Like, it's just, 
it was hard to just be that person for everyone else. But in there, I didn't have to be that for anyone. I didn't have to live up to any expectations. I could just break down. Um, and I had a really hard time early on with just like my habits. My And I told you, my sister warned me about eating habits. I had a tough time with my eating habits because I didn't feel like I was working out. I was eating very, very little. I would do abs every day, three times a day, at least like just horrible, horrible patterns that I just couldn't get a control of, but nobody knew because I was just keeping it to myself and I didn't want anyone to know. And I, it was also, like I feel I, like, I feel like also, yeah, what you're about to say, like, it's something you can control and you finally feel like you have like something that's your, you're like, okay, I can actually, I can't control that. I can't walk. I can't control that. I can't run, but like, I can control I can doing 20 like, steps and eating. I can look good. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember someone commented on one of my pictures actually. And I was like, you know, I, I did look skinny, but it was not, it wasn't healthy. And she commented like, oh my gosh, I wish I looked like that after I tore my ACL. And I remember reading that being like, that's not healthy. Like, and so that's, I was like this, something's got to change. This is not me. Like I just lost complete touch of myself. And it's, it was hard for me because I have friends who aren't athletes and I felt stupid saying that I was hurting this bad because of sport, because people who aren't playing sports, they don't, you know, you're not going to fully get it. This is our life. This is everything we do day in and day out. And so saying I was hurting this bad because I couldn't play a sport, it just sounded, sounded dumb, but that's not what it was. I was hurting this bad because I, I lost a little bit of my identity and I didn't really know where to go from there. And so being able to, um, communicate that with Dr. Garvin was huge for me. And it took probably a few meetings. And then I started, you know, setting goals and finding things I was thankful for every single day. I'd write down things I was thankful for. I'd set goals and I'd achieve them. And then we started an injured athletes group at school and I was able to, you know, encourage other people. And I could be a leader for girls who were going through the same thing. Um, I just got really involved and I really dove into like the psychology part of like injury and what happens and why we feel this way and how I can be an ally for people who are feeling the same way and feel like they have nowhere to go. And so that was like the biggest thing that got me through it is just like, how can I use this and help others? How can I take my hurt and channel it to like encourage others that this is like, this is going to be okay. This is going to pass. It's like turning hurt into healing. Like you help yes. heal like by kind of providing the safe space for other people and being yes. like, you're like, I'm right here with you, like more than you know are going through this. Because mm -hmm. I think another thing is people and athletes specifically, I think make the recovery. They're not, they sugar, they like, yeah. they don't tell you the honest truth of how badly it sucks. Like you see someone in the training oh, no. room and like, I don't know from surface level, like how they're doing with their recovery, but like they might be going back to their like dorm room that night and being like, I can't do this anymore. Like Absolutely. so sad about it. Or they might be like, you know what, like have this positive outlook, but like you just never know. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I always assumed that like everyone's recovery, like we had people who were current regular visitors to the training room. So like you knew yeah. that they were like struggling, but they to some extent, like still we're like, no, it's fine. Like I'll be back before you know it. But then, you know, yeah. so I feel like that's also something you, we can do as like athletes be like, how are you actually doing today? Like to that's what I was going to say. Yeah. And it's something that a lot of times, I mean, fortunately I didn't have to think about it. Most people don't have to think about it unless you get hurt. And then you could really feel for those girls sitting on the training room. It sucks to watch your whole team go out to practice. It sucks to watch them come in and like laughing about something. So I was able to this year and last year, just like you're saying, like, just take a second and be like, how are you doing? Like, how are, how are your goals coming? How's your quad strength going? Whatever the injury is. I don't know. But it was, I was just able to relate to them and just take a second. And I think that made me a better leader. I, I saw the injured athletes on the sidelines and I saw them for more than just, you know, someone who can catch and throw a crossbar or kick a soccer ball, whatever it is. But 
I'm just able to relate to more people on the field. And I got to know a lot of people on the sideline that maybe I wouldn't have got to know if I was playing, you know, I just go out and play and I got to know the girls who were playing, but maybe not the girls who don't get to play as much. And so I just got a whole new outlook of leadership. And I think that that was another thing that really just channeled my, I channeled my energy into leadership and what can I do for other people? How can I teach people? Um, someone gave me like a quote on my podcast that I do. And she said, turn your mess into your message. And I loved it. I, was like, I love yeah. that. I love it. Like, it's, it's such a good thing. Like, yeah, why, why not? Like we're all hurting. Like everyone's going through stuff and like, how can I help you? How can we do this together? Yeah, no, I think the together piece is so, so critical. And like, I know one thing that really stood out to me in my recovery was when like pre-surgery, when I knew I was getting surgery, but like still kind of waiting. And then post-surgery, my defensive coordinator at the time um mandy she like brought me into goalie world like she was like you're in charge of like shooting at the goalies like you have great hands like use them and she kind of brought me in and she was like i want you to really hit that spot or like made it seem like i had something to accomplish and i was i mean kelsey derrier who's one of my close friends she was the goalie at the time and like she's an absolute like rock like she was like a brick wall and goal so it made me feel so good when like mandy would be like you helped prepped her for that game. Like you were on the field today because of what you did this week Mm -hmm. in practice, like in whatever, like for her. And that to me, like made me feel like I was a part of something bigger when like I couldn't be, you know, like I feel like there's something to be said for including people in like the smallest of ways can make the biggest difference to people on the sideline. That's so true. My coaches were really good about that too. Um, and they were just awesome and like taking me under their wing, kind of like put, giving me like an undergrad assistant role, which was super helpful, gave me something to do. But then in our training room, we had, training room, we had like Allie's Angels and it was like a group of us who were all injured. Unfortunately, it was like kind of a lot at the time. And we made like a goalish chart and like every week I had something of like a goal that you want to achieve, a goal that you did achieve, and then like something you want to get better at or something like that. And it just gave every single person in that training room something to work for. And it just like, united us in a way that we probably wouldn't have had if we weren't setting goals and if we weren't holding each other accountable and then when we got out on the field we would just talk through like what we were watching and what we were seeing and how like plays were evolving and it was just the same thing it just gave us like a purpose you know it just it feels good to like be needed everyone wants to be needed everyone wants to be seen and when you're injured sometimes that can get lost and you can get like you know you can fall through the cracks or feel like you're falling through the cracks so coaches and teammates like whoever's like listening to this just making sure that like you're giving the girls who are injured or even who are injured again who just aren't playing giving them like a role and giving them like something that they can be feel valued is so so critical i mean and it's it's great for like morale overall right cuz yes. i feel like when people feel like they're lost and forgotten which sport it's sports right like you want to compete you want to win like there is a certain point where it's kind of like you have to focus somewhat on the people you know are going to be on that on the field and and that can be like hard to lose sight of when like a season's not going well or you know this isn't working out especially when I always used to try to put in perspective like our coaches are like our moms but they're also our bosses and their livelihood (laughs) like depends on depends on us and like we need to perform right and like that's a lot of pressure to think about like 35 girls all at once on top of like winning and all all of these things right those dual roles so I feel like even like something like scout team for us my senior year we try to make it like a big thing like we were like you're the scout team like MVP of like today like because you did so well like replicating whoever it was that day and that was like I know I always like look forward to like one year I was at UNC 
attacker we were like face guarding and I remember afterwards like my defender was like you move more than she ever could like and I was like yeah like that rocked like I was like pumped about it and that like boosted me up for like weeks um which is so crazy true celebrating the small things is like it's so much first of all it's fun why would you not want to celebrate every single thing i remember we'd celebrate like getting water like the injured girls would get water we'd be like that was literally so good like that or like we'd be like that water was filled perfectly the ratio of ice to water is perfect like just celebrating the small things and then it like translates to you so i was able to just through my teammates like celebrating my small wins i was able to celebrate my small wins or on days where i couldn't celebrate my small wins i was able to celebrate someone else's and it took me out of my own head i could look at my teammates and be like oh my gosh you did seven leg lifts when yesterday you did five that's so awesome and then maybe i'm having a tough day but now i'm not thinking about it because i'm celebrating someone else so it really is as much as the big wins and the you know the team that's going to be on the field they matter obviously they matter but you know, someone's got to fill the water bottles and someone's got to celebrate the leg lifts that get you out on the field to be on that team that's going to play in the game. So there's just, there's so many little steps you have to take to be on that field and you just have to celebrate every single one along the way. Like, it's fun. <laughs> it is fun. Oh my gosh. Um, Well, to close out, we always ask three questions. Oh my gosh, um, so okay. first, first question, no, they're good. Don't worry. First question <laughs> is, if you could give one piece of advice to anyone listening, what would it be? Um, I've definitely said, like in the beginning, I said this is just play as many sports as you can for as long as you can. Um, learn from each one, take something from each sport and channel it into one that you are extra passionate about. But for as long as you can, just enjoy being an athlete, not a lacrosse player or not a soccer player or a tennis player, whatever it is. Just play as much as you can for as long as you can and just have fun with it. So true. Have fun with it. Just have um, fun with it. Sports I know, fun. People, supposed to be fun. I know. It's just like too serious too early yeah, these days. Yeah, um, it really is. Second question is, if you could go back in time to yourself at any point in time, whenever you were struggling or like your happiest or whatever you can think of and give yourself one piece of advice, like knowing what you know now, mm-hmm. what would you say? Um, I I would go back to freshman year of college and I would just tell myself to just relax and believe that you are meant to be where you are and have confidence. Um, I think a lot of times, especially at like a high or any college level, like it's easy to lose sight of why am I here? Do I deserve to be on this field? These names I'm playing next to like the biggest names in, you know, my respected sport. It's easy to lose, lose sight of like, I'm here for a reason. I deserve to be here. And I think that freshman year, if I could have gone back, I would tell myself that you do deserve to be here and you worked hard to get here and you've proved yourself. Now, just again, going back to the point I said before, just relax and enjoy where you are because before you know it, it's over. So just enjoying every second, starting from freshman year to however long you play. Yeah. Taking it all in. And then yeah. last, last question. What okay. are you most grateful for? Oh my gosh. That is so hard. Um, Honestly, I'm grateful for my support system. Um, I like my family, my coaches, my sports psychologists, my friends through all of life, just for everything they've taught me, um, for helping me through this horrible, horrible time that I'm talking about now, um, for supporting me when I did get back on the field and just for being my, you know, my best friend, but also like my biggest hype man. And just, they've just been everything for me. So I think I'm most grateful for my support system because yeah, sports are so fun, but without them, like, I don't really have much, you know, um, life goes on without sport, but without your people, like you don't want to do life without your people. So I think I'm most grateful for my sports system. 
That's amazing. There and and you will realize soon that there's like so much more you didn't even realize. Like yeah. beyond, it doesn't seem like there is for sure. And I still, yeah. I mean, I still coach and like I don't think I could ever fully get away from lacrosse, yeah. but it's kind of crazy, like how much more that I didn't even realize, but like people who like don't have sports, yeah, like I guess introduced me to, which is yeah, really crazy. and I'm excited for that. Like I know lacrosse is always going to be a part of my life. Like it made me who I am today. It shaped me into what I. It's been such a big part. I know I'm going to give back to the sport that made me who I am, but I know it's not who I am. I know it's not all of me, and I think I'm going to be like you. I think that you know it will be a part of my life, but it won't be my life. And I'm excited to see like what that's going to look like. Oh, I'm excited for you. Well, thank oh, you so thank much you. for coming on and chatting and thank all the technical you. difficulties and <laughs> yeah. everything. Yes, three um, days in the making. <laughs> three days three days in the making. Um, amazing. All right. Thank you so much. Okay. I'll see you. All right. Another huge thank you to Lizzie for talking with me today and opening up about her personal experience with mental health and overcoming injury. If you want to get in touch with Lizzie, you can find her on Instagram at Lizzie, L-I-Z-Z-I-E underscore Colson, or follow along at her podcast, the lineup underscore podcast, focusing on being humans first and athletes second. She's incredible. She's amazing. I mean, I truly, truly, truly cannot thank her enough. And another big thank you to Morgan's Message for presenting the mental matchup. We would not be here without you. And with that, we are out.